0: Good evening, Tucson Mountain Baptist Church. The brave are the ones that are here tonight, right? (laughs) Well, very glad that you folks are here, and uh, let's bow for a brief prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for each person that is here. Lord, we thank you for those that will be listening or are listening, and uh, Lord, we pray for each one to, um, to get the, the benefit of uh, what you have to offer for us, and uh, Lord, help us to do our part and listen and, um, and really focus upon you. And we just give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We gather together. <laughs> amen.
1: We gather together
0: to ask the Lord's blessing. He chastens and hastens his will to make known. The wicked, oppressing, now cease from distressing. Sing praises to his name, he forgets not his own. Beside us to guide us, our God with us joining. At our side, the glory be thine. We all do extol thee, thou leader in battle, and pray that thou still our defender wilt be. Let thy congregation escape tribulation, thy name ever praised, O Lord, make us free. Pastor?
1: Be about 50% of what we usually have. well Elaine and I decided we weren't sweet enough we weren't going to melt out there and that, so we better come on in get out of the rain anyway <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys had the opportunity to make a list if you had the opportunity to make a list of the most influential in people in human history who would be on your list think about that for a second Back in the early 2000s, and this is on your sheet, Arthur Schlesinger Jr. decided to put together his own list. Now, he's a Pulitzer Prize-winning historian, is who this guy is. But he was writing for the World Almanac at the time, and he came come up with a list of the ten most influential people in the second millennium. That's the years between 1000 and 1999 and as he's as he's as I'm reading this list I'm looking at it going okay William Shakespeare that's good Sir Isaac Newton Charles Darwin yeah (laughs) Nicholas Copernicus, Galileo Einstein Christopher Columbus Abraham Lincoln Jonas Gutenberg you know as I looked at those first nine names I knew what all those guys did and what they were sort of contributed to the world and Shakespeare you know to be or not to be and Copernicus, understanding the universe, and Einstein, his theory, general relativity, and Gutenberg, the first printing press. But then I got to that last name, William Harvey. How many know who William Harvey is? Nobody? Neither? Yeah, now you do. (laughs) That's cheating. (coughs) But I had no idea who this guy was, right? So as I'm looking at this, he was a medical doctor who practiced in the early 1600s. But before his time now i had i had I did a little bit of research on this, not a lot, but before his time, the medical establishment believed that the human body converted blood or food i should say, into blood now get this into blood within the liver, and then from there the blood was sent to the heart where it warmed it up and then pumped it throughout the body, okay so and it went through the veins rather than the arteries. Now, of course, that consensus was all wrong, right? And we know that now, thankfully. Harvey, specifically, was the first person to show in detail, great detail, from what I understood of the human circulatory system and how it, all the blood starts at the heart and all the blood goes back to the heart. So he was groundbreaking in what he did. They traced all this. So, Wim Harvey was an absolutely influential person during his time. And he understood and developed some of the best things about how to make sure our hearts were in good shape. Now, there's a lot of things we can do to protect our physical heart, right? We can uh, eat right, eat the right diet. We can cut all those really good, yummy red meat and salty things out of our diet. Well, that was next on the list. Uh, We can get rid of all the delicious cakes and candies and desserts. We can be very intentional about removing those factors in our life that are going to cause us harm. And it will cause our heart to stress. And and we're still continuing on a little bit in how to live a stress-less life, okay? So similar to the theme we've been exploring, we're gonna look at how some of Harvey's mindset can possibly be put to use in what we're looking at tonight and understanding more about the heart, the human heart. You know, we're prone, we've learned over the last six or eight weeks that we're really prone a lot of times to pile those stressors on our shoulders and keep plugging through, right? And we talked about schedules, we talked about finances, we talked about relationships, we talked about decisions, but now we're getting more into our personal heart issues. So as I'm going I'm to give you a couple of things tonight, and I'm going to leave you with a cliffhanger because I always try to end it with something positive. I can't do that tonight. So I'm, I'm telling you in advance, right? Uh, that, that I can't leave you on a positive note. We identify ways, we've identified numerous ways to remove those stressors from our life. And we've identified numerous stressors that when piled up lead to overwhelming stress and rob us of God's peace. But we're going to look at some things tonight that will help us target our inner lives and It actually is is more about the core of who we are, personally. So these next two weeks, we're going to do that. The very first thing is we have to keep watch. Keep watch. And I see that's on the screen. He he, rolled down that screen so I could cheat, too. Um, Dr. Harvey was the first one to realize the importance of heart for physical living. And... Fortunately for us, Scripture beat him by several thousand years in a better understanding of this for, from a spiritual matter and from a physical matter. And one of my favorite verses, going back to Proverbs again, our, our favorite section of verses is in Proverbs four twenty-three through 27. Look at what it says with me. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the spring of life. Rid yourself of a deceitful mouth and keep devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. All I want to do just for a few minutes is focus on those very first two lines. And the new transliving living translation says this the new living translation guard your heart above all else that's key for it determines the course of your life listen if we want to continue and truly eliminate stress from our life we have to guard our heart if we want to experience that full measure of god's peace but sometimes we don't always do that the hebrew word in verse 23 for heart is it's, it's obviously not that blood-pumping organism inside our chest. But it, it's, it's something that the Bible talks about repeatedly. And we have to think about it. The biblical perspective, the heart, is the seat of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's, it's the essence of who we are morally and spiritually. Especially in the relationship with God. So as we think about this tonight, we have to remember our hearts have incredible value and they're priceless to God. So we need to guard those. Okay. Um, I'm just going to read this because in the context of what it comes from, okay. Just outside of Colorado Springs lies the Cheyenne Mountain Air Force Station which many people believe to be the most secure military facility in the entire world. (laughs) The station was originally designed as a primary base of operations for the North American uh, Aerospace Defense Command, or commonly known as NORAD. And the bunker was carved out under 2,000 feet of pure granite with the express intention of surviving a nuclear attack. The entire facility can be sealed off in a matter of minutes by two concrete and steel blast doors, both of which are three and a half feet thick and weigh more than 23 tons each. So it's, it's a secure facility. But why is the si- Cheyenne Mountain Air Force Station so heavily reinforced and carefully protected? Does anybody know? Today? Because it houses all the people and technology that are critical for the proper function of our nation in case of a crisis our heart is the same way our heart has all the interior operation and function that we need in case of a crisis so it's imperative that we protect it and we watch over it so we need to keep watch The same ideas communicated about our heart. Proverbs said this, watch over your heart with all diligence. In other words, you have to guard your heart above all else. Now, a lot of us, uh, that extra piece of pie is just too tempting. We have to have it, (laughs) right? So we're not always guarding our heart the way we should sometimes physically. But we fall into the same situation, the same dilemma spiritually, so what we need to remember is the New Testament and the um, New Living Translation says, because your heart determines the course of your life. If our heart, our, the seat of our will and emotion and mind guards everything else about us and basically makes us who we are, don't you think we should take good care of it? Absolutely. It determines the course of our life. We've been giving something precious from God, and that's the gift of life. So we have to guard it. We've been given an opportunity not just to exist, but to also make sure and participate in God's coming kingdom and his kingdom and purpose in the universe for us right now. And that is very, very important. Um, That opportunity, I guess, best way to say it would be it starts and flows from our heart just like the blood that Dr. Harvey figured out. So it's, it's important that we protect it. We should, we should treasure that opportunity and we should value that opportunity. Have you ever thought about when God gives us commands or commandments, why he gives those to us? Why is that? To protect us and direction. It's also, in some cases, to protect others, right? It, it, it keeps us from doing things that we shouldn't do. Think about this. When he created us, he, he did it because he loves us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we need and what we should have, and sometimes we try to do an end run around him. When he says, you know, I want you to do this, he's actually saying help yourself by doing this keep yourself spiritually fit by doing this keep yourself physically safe by doing this and when he says don't do this he's really saying you know what don't hurt yourself by doing that thing and it's important we listen to those things not just hear it but listen to it and then do it or don't do it the essence of who we are flows out of the condition of our heart And we have to think about that. Whatever influences us internally will eventually impact the core of who we are and what we do. If it influences us internally, it's going to come out and manifest itself externally. Does that make sense? All right. Um, It's either going to impact us good or bad. So let's think about this. Most all of us have worked with computers or tablets, right? So there's no shortage of bad stuff out there to get into our computers or tablets or even now phones, right? So here's the problem. There's all kind of viruses, all kind of malware, all kind of tracking uh, things now. If, If we allow those things, if we don't set up antivirus of some kind, and we don't protect those computers, phones, or tablets, what's the, what's the least that can happen? Huh? Least. What's the least thing that can happen? Ruin your computer. That's the worst. The least is you can get spammed, and I'm looking back at the IT guy because he's hiding behind a screen back there. You can get spammed. You can get your emails hacked. It can, it can disrupt and corrupt a lot of files and information. It can also ruin your computer as the next step, but the really worst thing that could happen is they can get your personal information, your credit card information, your personal ID. They can steal your identity and go out and buy stuff in your name. And that's always fun to get straightened out. So we put those antivirus things in place and we put those protections in place so that we don't have to deal with the corruption that comes in from the outside. God tells us it's the same way with our heart. We need to guard our heart to keep the corruption out of it and keep those viruses and malware and tracking devices away from us. So we protect our our computers with the appropriate software to keep those viruses out of there. We're supposed to do the same thing with our hearts. Here's a principle. You can prevent or reduce stress in your life by carefully guarding what you allow to influence your heart. But the principle also works on the flip side of this. You can also say it this way. When you aren't careful about guarding what you allow to influence your heart, you will increase the amount of stress in your life. We have the following opportunity to remove stress from our life, but sometimes we don't always pay close attention. So some of the things we're going to talk about now is, is what to keep watch for and to what to understand. The very first thing is see the enemy. See the enemy. You might be sitting there and thinking, well, what exactly should I guard my heart from? Well, what's the big threat that we should keep watch for all the time, 24-7? Think about it. The answer to that is both simple and complex. And it's simple because it can be summed up in one word, Satan. But it's complex because the enemy is complex, the tricks and mastery that he uses are complex when he attacks us. So those are the things, you know, we're constantly under attack. You, Whether you realize it or not, you are constantly under spiritual attack. If you have professed Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're under attack. You may be oblivious to it sometime. It may be intense. It may not be intense sometimes. But you have to know you're under attack. We live in a world that denies that fact and even in the church a lot of that fact is denied when it comes to the nature and methods of this enemy there's a lot that needs to be cleared up you could fill entire libraries with books about the attacks of Satan and how to do spiritual warfare there's tons of them out there but I want to just list a couple of things tonight for us to be on guard about and to be watching for keeping watch of not only do we need to see the enemy but we need to realize that satan is real now here's where it gets to be a real sticky wicket a lot of people do not believe that and i'm going to give you some stats and figures here in a second you've got them on your paper but we're going to read them a little more how many of you like to play board games how many of you ever played Risk? Okay, ladies, what's what's the what's the was that you back there with your hand up too, Paul? What what's the what's the what's the um, objective in Risk? To rule, to rule the world, conquer the world, right? What do you think Satan's <laughs> strategies are for? Even though even though he knows he's not going to win. He's still out to conquer the world. And he does that by messing and attacking with us. Those who have made a profession of faith. It's interesting because risk is all about conquering the world. And once the game starts, all rules are out the window. It's either conquered or be conquered. There's a similar dynamic in play with the world today. Think about this. Especially followers of Jesus. Are attacked on a daily basis, sometime moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day. A lot of people, Christians, don't realize they're in the middle of a war. We fight individual battles, but the war is, is raging all around us all the time. So a lot of people don't realize it, and that causes them to go into panic mode when a crisis comes and it ultimately causes them to be in disaster. In a recent survey conducted by Barna Group, and I had to go back and check these because the information I was pulling a lot of this from (coughs) is about three years old, and it's changed in three years. Imagine that. (coughs) 31%. Of Americans agreed with the statement. Now, this statement's written funny. Barna sometimes writes his questions a little weird. Satan is not merely a symbol of evil, but is a real spiritual being that influences human lives. Now, 31% of the general population, not just believers, but Americans, all right, agreed that that was true. But here's the sad part. 69% disagreed with that statement. That means more than two-thirds of the population out there thinks that Satan is not real. Is that concerning to you guys? Yeah. It concerns me. <laughs> it does explain a lot. But a lot of people don't, don't understand they're either pawns in his schemes or they are under attack. Because you think about it. If they're not a Christian they're not viewing Satan as the, way, the same way we do. And they will not be under attack because he is using them as a pawn in his schemes to attack us. Think about that for a second. Here's the problem. You cannot believe the Bible is true and not believe Satan is real and out to destroy you. If you believe the Bible is true, you should absolutely believe Satan is real and he's out to get you. Now, is he hiding behind every bush? I don't, I don't think that way. But he might be, depending on where you, at, you are at in your spiritual walk. In the New Testament alone, Satan is mentioned 36 times. The devil is mentioned 34 times. To give you some context there, Mary, Jesus' mother, He's only mentioned 20 times. Every New Testament author talks about Satan somewhere. Something to think about. Jesus talked about the devil a lot too. So there's, there's a precedence there. The devil is real. But let's ask ourselves, who is he and, and what does he really want? Well, he's a fallen angel, right? Look at what Ezekiel says with me. Referring to Satan, he writes this. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God. And I have destroyed you, your covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. That's from Ezekiel 28. Look, I think here's the problem that, that we face today. And, and the people, a lot of people, especially unbelievers that do believe Satan is real, look at God and they look at Satan as being yin and yang or are equal in power. And that's not true. We need to understand that. They need to understand that. They look at Satan as the opposing force like good and evil with God and Satan. But that's so far from the truth. It's, it's really detrimental to what takes place. They're not equal powers locked in eternal combat. God is the creator. He's the sustainer. He is the one that is all-powerful. While Satan is powerful, he's not all powerful, and he is, he is limited in his power. And we have to remember that. And we have to be willing to tell people that when that information comes, when that opportunity comes available to share that information. God is present everywhere and knows everything. Satan cannot be omnipresent. But he's got an army of little gremlins running around to help him. And they learn by observation. They watch us and they find our weak points. Satan is different than humans. He is a created being. He's a fallen angel. So he's different. Jesus called him the ruler of this world in John twelve thirty one. Peter referred to him as the God of this world, small g. So why does Satan have so much power? because of one word again sin sin s-i-n when god created adam and eve and we all know this but sometimes we don't think about it he gave humanity human life dominion over everything else on the earth over all of creation and he basically put adam and eve in charge of the garden but he also put them in charge of everything that was there. But when they, at, when they rebelled and Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of life. Our or knowledge of good and evil rather. They could not no longer eat of any other fruit in the garden. Because they were cast out. So there was a penalty. There was a consequence for their action. But Satan is the one that prompted that action. And sometimes we tend to forget that. Satan has all these other spiritual beings at his command. How many other fallen angels went with him? Do you remember? A third of heaven, right? So he's got those. And then he's got all the other people in the earth that do not believe that he is real doing his bidding. And they don't even realize it. We don't always think about it that way. Paul wrote this, Ephesians 6, 12, and I want to remind us of this again, and I say this from time to time, but a lot of times, and you guys know, I I really encourage us to have unity and harmony within the body. It's because of this, these verses right here, and what Ephesians says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, But against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness. Against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. These forces are spiritual beings, the former angels. And who have joined Satan in his attempt and his continued rebellion against God. And sometimes, sometimes it seems like he's winning. And it frustrates us as as believers. John MacArthur wrote Satan's forces of darkness are highly organized and structured for the most destructive warfare warfare possible. They are great and ancient multitude and constitute a formidable and highly experienced supernatural enemies. In other words, Satan has an army. And they're all out attacking us. As Christians. He uses that army to fight against us each and every day. He uses that army to fight against God's plan and purpose in the earth, in the world today. And he directs those attacks at us who have surrendered our life to Christ. And that's intentional. Listen, don't make any mistake about this. If you are trying to live your life following Jesus, you're gonna come under attack. Now there may be times, I think, what, I think what happens is many, many times those angels, that army, will sit back and observe us. They will watch for our weakest places, our best points of vulnerability for them to attack. And they attack when we least expect it. And when we least really need it. If you want to experience God peace. You have to understand. That Satan has you in his sights. He's got every single one of us in his sights. He'll attack you. And his, his goal is not merely just to stress you out. His goal is. Total domination of you. And total destruction. Because if he can get you to deny God then he's part of the way there. So we have to be careful. Peter writes, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You know, a lot of times on Wednesday nights <coughs> when Kathy and I would go home, we don't, we don't have cable or anything else. We have just the, the TV channels that come over the air. But we would turn on uh, Channel 6, and watch PBS because it was a wildlife show. And have you ever done that, turned on one of those wildlife shows, and all of a sudden you see this lion sneaking up on a, on a little gazelle or something? And it's, it's getting ready to pounce and devour its prey. You know what the word devour means? It means absolute devastation and destruction. It means it's vicious, it's violence, it, it's, it's terrible. It's torn apart. That's the picture you need to have in your mind of what Satan's trying to do to us. Because that's exactly what's taking place. It, it ends in, if you think about that lion and that gazelle, it ends in total devastation, right? We don't always like to think about that. Those stressors in our life that we pile on our shoulders, we have to remember the reality is the reason we have stressors in our life is we're in the middle of a war. It's not just a battle. It's a war. We may be in those individual battles, but we're in a big war overall. We're under attack every single day because Satan just wants to aggravate and agitate us. The second thing I want you to take home with you to think about tonight is Satan is a liar. Satan is a liar. The second truth we have to think about. Deception is his default operating system. John 8, 4 says, and in the words of Jesus, actually, Satan says, our Satan was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature, because he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, up here we know that, but, but we're talking about gardener heart, the seat, the essence of our soul, mind, and emotions. We don't always see it that way. When we engage in spiritual battle against Satan and his forces, we should never expect a fair fight. You should always expect that he's going to fight dirty. He doesn't care if you fight fair. He's not going to fight fair. Because of who he is, his nature. Our adversary is going to seek out our weakest point through Timed observation, I believe. Ephesians 6, Paul warned Christians to put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And he is a schemer and a deceiver and a liar. The word translated schemes out of the old Hebrew, it means it's premeditated and it's intentional and it's a strategy based on observation. So what happens? These fallen angels and Satan sit back and they observe us. They watch us. They figure out our most vulnerable time or our most vulnerable link to attack us. And if we're not wearing the armor of God and we're not on our toes and and see the enemy and understand the enemy and know that the enemy is out to get us, and if we're not keeping watch, guess what's going to happen? We're going to lose that battle. Pardon? (laughs) We have meltdowns. (laughs) That happens too, yeah. (laughs) Have you ever noticed some of your strongest temptations come at your weakest points? You ever thought about that? Like that second piece of pie? You just had that first one and man, it was good. And you're thinking, I really should push away from this table. And you go, no, i got to have a second piece of pie. Wouldn't you say that you've made some of the worst decisions at your weakest moments? Why? Because Satan is watching us. We compromise ourselves the most when we're tired, when we're lonely, when we're angry, sometimes even when we're hungry. That's when Satan attacks. Those things don't happen by accidents. It's not a coincidence. It's intentional. You have to know when you're most vulnerable attack because Satan knows when you're most vulnerable for attack. And you need to guard your heart against those things. <laughs> Listen, once Satan and his army of forces understand your weaknesses... That's where they're going to attack. That's your most vulnerable place. Those weaknesses, they're going to attack those weaknesses through deception. And deception usually comes in three forms. And we're going to give those. First, your adversary is going to attack through distortion by twisting the truth and attempting to use it against you. Something like this. Why would God stop me from doing this when he says I should have joy? That's an example. Second, the enemy is going to attack you through doubt by working through the process of having us question. Now think about this one. Would God really say, what, what what did he use in the garden with Eve? Did God really say, would he really say this would happen if I do this? What makes... Me think God's really watching anyway. Doubt. Or the attack may come internally and it could be connected to some failure. Like, how can God love me when I fail so much? Doubt. That's that's, that's a great trick of Satan's. Third, our spiritual enemy is going to attack us through distraction. Distraction. He's trying to lead us away from the truth. The truth will set you free, not deception. Not lies, not half-truths. The truth. Have you ever noticed distractions? Think about distractions for a minute. You're trying to spend some quality time with God and... and You get everything set up. You're going to read your Bible. You're going to have a quiet time. You're going to have a prayer time. Somebody knocks on the door. Or the phone rings. Or some other thing goes off. Our smartphones, I hate it when a gadget is smarter than I am. They beep and they buzz and they bug us. Right when we're trying to fellowship with God. Distractions. They come in all kinds of sizes and packages the temptation of even the garden has a culmination of all three of those things if we think about it let's read the passages and think about this for a second now the serpent was more cunning than any animal in the field which the lord god had made and he said to the woman has god really said there's the first one you shall not eat from any tree in the garden now that's not what god said that's a lie and the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. Now, that's partly a lie. The serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. There's a the second one. For God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will become like God, knowing good and evil when the woman saw that the tree was good for food there's another temptation and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise she took some of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband with her and he ate notice satan's attack here it's timed it's timed perfectly who's not around God, God's not in the garden with Adam and Eve. He waited till he wasn't there. So they were alone. Also, he observed them before their attack. He listened to what God said. He knew how to approach them at their weakest link, at their weakest point. He exploited that moment of weakness. Do you think he doesn't do that to us? He does it to us every time we fall prey to his schemes. Satan began the distortion, that first distortion. Has God really said? Sounds an innocent enough question, doesn't it? It's just an innocent question. Has God really said? He distorted God's command to avoid one tree in the garden. And he changed it to a command to avoid all the trees. And she said, oh, no, that's not true. Then Satan attacked through doubt. He says this. Think about it. When Eve uh, repeated the warning that God had said, he distorted it again and... He caused her to doubt by the question that he asked. You certainly will not die. Now, do you think he knew about spiritual death? I think he did. I think he did. He even implied that God was trying to keep Adam and Eve from being wise. So we have to be careful of that. Listen, we're in the middle of a war, and your enemy is actively attacking you all the time, whether you believe it or understand it or not. The goal of those attacks is to harm you. It's to drive a wedge in your fellowship with God, number one, and it's to, then it's to destroy our fellowship with one another. Not necessarily in that order. But it always includes increasing the stressors in our lives. So that's where we're going to end tonight. Like I said, I was going to leave you with a cliffhanger. So you have to think about that. So here's your homework. Decide for yourself if you need to do those things to, to keep yourself spiritually fit and guard your heart. All right, let's go to prayer time, praise time. You going to man the mic for us, Robbie? Okay, thank you. Come on up, Robbie.
0: (coughs) Uh, Larry and Verity are on their trip. Um, On their trip, they left today. And they're on their trip to Mississippi, and that's where um, hits. Let's see her mother, her her mother's uh, memorial service is, and then they're going to be going to North Carolina, and so we need to pray for the uh, for travel, their uh,
1: travel mercies
0: traveling mercies. And he also asked that we pray for uh, <clears throat> all the other people that are going to be going there, and I guess quite a number. And, that, uh, and the, he said that there's quite a number that do not know the Lord mm. that are going to be coming. So okay. I'd yeah. like to, to pray for them. You'd like to pray for
1: that? Great. Yes. Thank you. Before you start also, <clears throat> we need to know that the couple that was going to go with them wasn't able to go. Oh, her okay.
0: Daughter because, yeah, her daughter, because her husband was having problems
1: and they had animals that were going to Okay. So
2: yeah. Oh, so
1: okay. she's driving all by herself. Oh my goodness. Okay.
0: So okay. Dear Lord, we just ask you to be with Larry and Verity uh, on their trip, and I understand that they are uh, uh, overnight in. I think you might have said Las Cruces or somewhere like that uh, for tonight, and then, uh, but they've got a lot of driving to do. And Lord, we love them, and uh, Lord, ask you to watch over them. Uh, Lord, we ask you to watch over all the others that are going to be uh, on the the trip headed to Mississippi. And uh, Lord, that um, whoever presides over that service, that uh, that they um, that they just follow your leading, um, and uh, Lord, that uh, that people will that don't have you in their lives, that they will be uh, touched and that they will see, uh, they will be convicted of their, their need of you and make that commitment. And Lord, we ask you to to continue on with them on their, their trip uh, to North Carolina, and I can't remember all the details, uh, but Lord, you know exactly what they are, and then we look forward to them uh, returning and, um, and just uh, uh, ask you to watch, actually, over our whole church family. Lord, uh, uh, the roads are just getting uh, more and more uh, uh, troublesome. And, uh, Lord, we ask you to watch over each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. All right. Anyone else? Praise, prayer request? Back in the sound booth, Robbie. Sound booth. We see that hand.
3: They give me 45 (laughs) seconds. They said that's all I can have. Um, Vacation Bible School, we need workers. We need people to help. Uh, That's going to be the first full week in June, and it's going to be at night, so more people should be available. We don't know how many kids we're going to get, but we really need volunteers for that. The April 1st um, event is going to be raising money for Vacation Bible School so that we have enough stuff to give to the kids to take home as a witness to their families who don't come. So that's part of that. And uh, we need more crafters. We need more people selling stuff outside. We need a a crowd so it draws attention. And then the other biker group, not Larry and Beth's group, but uh, Ara and Arnold's biker group, they're going to be here witnessing and blessing bikes and stuff. So if you know some bikers, uh, pray for them. Does that include
1: in my tricycle?
3: Sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You'll or make th- fun of anybody. Thanks Or a, a three-wheel walker, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, so we need that. And um, Warren uh, is going to have a CAT scan of his heart because there is an issue. And um, – so they want to make sh- they want to see what exactly is going on with his heart. So that's tomorrow, okay. and prayer that, it m- whatever it is, I, I don't know how to pray for that. But he's okay. having trouble breathing, and so um, Still. it's probably his heart. And uh, okay, that's it.
1: All right, who will pray for vacation Bible school and the sale that's going to take place on April first? and all the workers in both. You got that, Ravi?
2: Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you. We adore you and we give you everything with God. And we Thank you for the many blessings. Father, you have given us a great church family and many activities as the school Bible study and the way to reach kids and, and bring you to them. We also give us the fair and the bikers and Father, this is all part of your part of your plan for us, and we just want to accept it and we want to bless it and we want to be here. We want to participate, and Father, just bless everyone involved. Father, I I come to my knees for my brother that tomorrow. Everything comes perfect for him in his exam. And that he's so dear to me, Father, that all my faith and all my energy is, and all my prayer and all my blessings come to him tomorrow for a safe test. And this I ask in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.
1: Anyone else? Praises, prayer requests? Ruth. Larry? I have
3: one for Ruth. Okay, uh, who yeah. Ruth, who's, I don't know how she is today. But uh, the Sunday school class, prayer uh, for the whole Sunday school class, they've had her as their teacher for a long time. And Ruth uh, did a little video that they all watched on Sunday. And it, it was heartbreaking. Uh, she was so sweet. You know, it's is. It, it Much pain she's in, and she's having trouble breathing. So, prayer for the family and for the church family that are just really struggling with this.
1: Absolutely. We'll take a moment and pray for Ruth, Ruth Heatherly, teacher of the Silver Doves for many, many years. And that little group is a tight knit collective, let me tell you. I say little group, I think there was what 15 16 ladies back there
5: okay father we just lift up Ruth to you tonight and Lord she's not doing very good you know all about that Lord and we just ask that you would give her peace as she's facing um, a painful death I believe they have a hard time breathing and um, all the different things that go along with this disease Father, we just ask that you would take her quickly, even though it's hard to pray that. Lord, we want her to be in your arms as soon as possible and not to suffer. Be with all our friends and and this church family as we will mourn her loss. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Anyone else? You still got the mic. I I still got the mic. You know how I am. Yeah, (laughs) you're fine.
5: So I would like prayer for my son and his family. I am so ready for them to move out by the way <laughs> that they will soon find a place to live they' just start they're finally at a place where they can start looking hallelujah
1: <laughs>
5: so um, and I definitely need prayer just to handle it as well as I can so <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. We'll pray for Debbie and (coughs) her home situation. Up here, Rafi. Please.
6: Lord, we just bring our sister Debbie before you, Father. Um, It's a stressful situation. We love our kids. We do whatever we can for them, whatever they need, and it's tough. It's tough to say no, and it's tough to go through what she's going through, and we just pray that you would find a very special place for that little family. They're a precious little family, and you would give them the finances and and the wisdom as they go looking around, Lord, for just the right place. And we thank you that they have Deb. They have a good mom who's willing to put herself out for them, and uh to live a very chaotic hectic life for a few weeks um we just ask that not only would you bring them a better a place uh, not a better place but a place to live that's all their own but lord we ask you to bring them closer to you yes. they're a young family that needs jesus and yes. the little ones lord and they're just so important and we just love them so much and we want them to know you and to worship you and to Thank you for all the things that you've done for them and the way you've just been by their side. And we just pray that they would recognize this too. And we ask for a special blessing for Debbie as she's, uh, as she's worked hard at this, Lord. And I also pray, Lord, that you would be with her. The problem she's having with her feet, Father, that you would give her some relief, that you would uh, help the treatment or the doctors or whatever to find something that would really um, help her in that situation too and we just thank you for her willingness to work here at the church and and um, for just being devoted to you and to this church body and to her family. We just thank you and praise you for all this in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Amen. Anyone else? I just got a question. I, uh, I heard that Bill was taken to the hospital. Bill Gates was taken to the hospital with some kind of heart event this morning. Um Tamely, have you heard any more in regard to that? To it, yeah, we didn't either later this afternoon. So. Also, Alice Mann's grand, grandson, grandson. Grandson, yeah. He had uh They, they had to jumpstart him. Jump, jumpstart him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, he was having brain surgery. And it the, the first attempt of whatever they did did not go well. So they had to, they were trying to do it a, as as uninvasive as possible, and they ended up having to open his head up completely. So be praying for Alice, Mann's grandson. What was his name? Jeffrey? Jeffrey. 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 So be be keeping him in prayer. Yeah, Joy. I was just saying, I don't know who you about, so Jeffrey. Yeah, 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 his name is Jeffrey. Anyone else? All right. Do pray for Bill Gates, and uh, keep him in prayer. Yes. I'd like to pray. All right. Let me let it, let him get the mic so that we can get it. Enough, well, it's not that; it's that it's on the tape. Oh,
4: oh, okay. Because everything
1: right. is recorded. Okay.
4: Uh, Father, we just uh, come to you in Jesus' name, my Lord and Father. Just pray that you would just quicken our hearts and slow us down yes. to hear from you, my Lord. Yes. Holy Spirit, we'd ask that you would just empower us. We ask that you would increase our faith. Oh, yes. Father, we ask for a, a feeling of your spirit may just come crushing down on this entire room that your spirit would fill every single one of us with your goodness with your love with your power father i i know that you can do all things there's amen. nothing you cannot do amen so father i'm stepping out in faith and i'm just praying for every single person that was lifted up tonight that you would miraculously excuse <laughs> me that you would miraculously heal every single person that was prayed for miraculously just completely just blow our minds completely away and the physicians the doctors everybody that's involved in every single prayer tonight nothing's greater than you my lord i'm praying for a miraculous healing for every single person and i ask all this in jesus name amen
1: amen thank you all right anyone else Okay. Have our closing song then.
0: We're going to sing this twice All Hail, King Jesus. ALL HAIL KING JESUS ALL HAIL EMMANUEL KING OF KINGS, LORD OF LORDS BRIGHT MORNING STAR AND THROUGHOUT ETERNITY I'LL SING HIS PRAISES and I'll reign with him throughout eternity. All hail, King Jesus. All hail, Emmanuel. King of kings, Lord of lords, bright morning star. And throughout eternity, I'll sing his praises, and I'll reign with him throughout eternity. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your uh, promises, and Lord, we we do praise you. And, Lord, we thank you that uh, greater are you that is in us than he that is in the world. And, uh, Lord, we thank you so much for this uh, study tonight. Lord, help every single one of us to take these to heart. And, Lord, we've all made mistakes, every single one of us. And, Lord, we want to make less mistakes, uh, tomorrow than we've made today. And Lord, we just uh, thank you for your grace. Uh, it is tremendous. And Lord, we thank you so much for each person that is here. And uh, Lord, go with us and uh, ask you to keep us safe and um, give us all uh, uh, a wonderful night's sleep. And Lord, help us with Uh, in our weak areas and Lord help us to lean upon you and we just give you all the glory in Jesus name. Amen. And have a wonderful evening everyone. Some glad morning when this life is sore I fly away